Welcome back to Rhythms of Grace. My name's Nate. I'm the executive pastor here at Grace Church, and I am uh, here with Sung, who is the lead pastor. And we are, this season, tackling questions with no easy answers. We're looking specifically at uh, ideas and, and verses from the New Testament that are confusing, alarming, just maybe sometimes just hard to understand. So we've done several of them. Sung, what have you got for us today? Well, before we start, you got some pep today. I'm I'm fully caffeinated. Oh, I th- I thought maybe you were just faking it. No, no, no. I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. I went oh. to the dentist yesterday, which um which was great, which was great. You're, you're not gonna believe this. First time in 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> I yep yep. You, that's, you, that was the response of every single person in the office uh, when they were like, "How lo- how long has it been since you? When were you last at the dentist?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, I can't even remember." Are you one of those people who have such good enam- enamel yep. that after 15 years, 100 percent? Oh my! Goodness. It doesn't matter how long. I mean, again, I'm not even lying. 15 years. It doesn't matter. They always say the same thing. They say, "Oh, you have great teeth." Um, no cavities. You should probably floss more. Uh, doesn't like it doesn't matter how long I go. Yeah. Um, I will say that I am. I did set a six month appointment because Good I'm trying to you. be responsible that way. I I thought you were just faking it. You know, it was funny because your daughter was over uh, our house for dinner, hanging out with my daughter, and um, we were talking enneagram, which we talked about last season, mm-hmm. and. I said to her, you know, as a nine, Eva, like you're 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 pretty social, and uh, her response was, um, "It's it's it's just just a show." <laughs> <laughs> I thought that so. Well, I was like, "Wow, Nate's, Nate, Nate's putting on a good show today." No, I mean, we are a pretty social family. Even even yeah. the introverts among us, we do we certainly do like to be around people and do sort of get fired up. It's yeah. just how tired we are afterwards. <laughs> you know, like you're gonna ride this high, whereas I'm gonna go take a nap. So that's yeah. that. Yeah. That's the difference. All right. Well, <coughs> we got a, a great hard question. Um, based on a, a, a passage in Matthew. Uh, you know, it's interesting. All these passages have been in Matthew so yeah. far. Mm-hmm. And it's another hard saying of Jesus. Jesus said some crazy I stuff, know. man. And, and so this, uh, uh, and it was a really long text, um, and I appreciate it. And it, it's a, uh, a personal, I mean, th- these questions are personal issues. But Matthew 25, it's about the final judgment. And um, let me just read portions of it. Um, When the Son of Man comes in glory and all the angels with him, he will sit upon his throne and all the nations will be gathered in his presence and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand, the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you for the creation of the world. And he goes on and then later on he says, um, then the king will turn to those on the left and say, away with you, you cursed ones, into eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. Mm. Uh, then they will reply, Lord, when did, you know, wh- when did we not help you or do this or do that? And he says, I tell you the truth. When you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you are refusing to help me. The question is just um, the doctrine of hell. So before we get into that, yeah. I just want to mention, I feel like goats get a really bad rap in this, uh, <laughs> in this passage. And you have two of them. I do, and they're wonderful. Uh, but anyways, that's so, sort of besides the point. In this, in, this story, in this story, goats are bad. Well, be, okay, this is also besides the point. Like, do all goats, you know, you, you see those goats that hang on the side of the mountain? Mm-hmm. Like, do, can all goats do that? No, but they all love to climb. Oh, man. Oh, they do. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, the, not all of them are, like, my goats are not particularly nimble, but they still do like to, like, 
get up on stuff. If there's any place that they can go up, they will every time. Wow. Okay. Porches and stumps and they'll put their front feet on fences. There you have it. That's the word on goats. There we go. Man, it's taken us a while to get into the Bible today. Jeez. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) A little distracted. So so the doctrine of hell has really fallen on some hard times. And I think there are some really good reasons why. Well, because I think, first of all, preachers, whether on television or your local church, they they can and often do, hopefully I don't, uh, or we don't, speak of hell with kind of this smug, arrogant posture and, and almost a sense of sadistic gloating, mm-hmm. smile on their face, kind of right. like... Like, you're going to get yours. Yes. Yeah. Like, you know, we're somehow implying we're the righteous one and all you unrighteous, ungodly people, you're going to hell. And there is a certain amount of, like, delight, <laughs> whether it's yeah. real or not, that, like, in telling someone that they're going to hell. Right. And I think um, to preach or talk about hell, the doctrine of hell, without a sense of humility, and I would even say fear and trembling. Or even or even um, sorrow. Yeah, tears, mm-hmm. is really nothing but an abuse of power. Yeah. Spir- uh, like, spiritual abuse. Yeah. And that is really prevalent in, in our day and age. I think the other uh, reason why, like for, so in a place like Ann Arbor, that's very progressive, highly academic, uh, there's a great deal of aversion to this whole idea of wrath Mm. and judgment and hell, like, and and totally understandable, like whether that's because you heard it from preachers or politicians, uh, even just admitting that you may believe in uh, a, a condition or a place or destination um, just kind of evokes real horror yeah. and, and disdain among the enlightened elite of, you know, uh, pe- and I, I, I love, uh, I said to somebody the other day, because uh, last night they're like, I said, yeah, you know, Ann Arbor's really elitist. Mm. And, and he was like, yeah, it is. And I'm like, you know what? I really love it too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the thing that I observe is that e- even the the sense of, um, yeah, sort of the the injustice that that people feel when they think about hell, even that has its root in a biblical truth, which is yeah. that the the idea that someone would be beyond redemption, oh yeah, strikes us as wrong. Yep. And again, when I look at that, I tend to say, well, that's because the larger narrative of of God in the world is that uh, that redemption is for everyone. And so even in that, I see sort of these threads of of a truth of the gospel. But without believing in in Jesus as bringing the redemption, you are sort of left saying, well, all all you all I see is sort of the judgment that you visit and say that these people are are beyond hope or beyond help. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and often the question that's asked from people who are on the outside is like, how could you as as a Christian believe something so mean and Mm. so exclusive, so intolerant? And to be honest, a lot of Christians feel embarrassed by this doctrine. I feel that. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, right? Um, Because it seems to make God into this like sadistic, judgmental being that that just really grates on modern sensibilities. And and for the record, we don't believe in a God like that Mm -hmm. either. Um, so this, this whole doctrine is probably Christianity's one of the, one of Christianity's most offensive doctrines because it, it tends to lead to, uh, exclusion, abuse, division, even violence. And so one of the things that often happens is, well, we either demythologize or deconstruct the Christian faith. Um, and, and so 
yeah, like how do we navigate this? Or e even with this passage where there seems to be a clear division between those who are invited into God's kingdom mm -hmm. and those who aren't. Yeah. Um, and so that's, uh, um, and I would say this has been not just a recent phenomenon, but even going back, let's say a decade ago, or I, I don't remember when, but uh, uh, Christian leaders and scholars will either um, reject the doctrine altogether or redefine the doctrine. Mm. Like, you know, many years ago, it was Rob Bell um, yeah. from Grand Rapids yeah. who who wrote, the, what, what was the book called? Uh, Love Wins. Love Wins. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man, that created a splash. Yeah. I mean, and, and so uh, his whole thing was there is a, his suggestion was there's a better story that, that would involve people coming to faith in Christ um, either after death, which is purgatory, mm. or hell being like, you just stop existing. Mm. There is no like, you know, it, it's just that, w which in Christian circles is called annihilationism. Okay. That, that's a doctrinal name. Or that hell will eventually be emptied of all of its inhabitants, which is universalism. Mm -hmm. And I, we won't go through all those alternatives today. Maybe if we, because there's a lot to talk about with hell, but uh, maybe maybe we'll talk more about um, some of those things um, in, in the next episode. Because I have heard, and I think good and earnest people um, who love God and are trying to do right, they do believe in some of those. Yeah. I mean, I was just yep. thinking, I was thinking about a quote from an author that I, that I did read quite a bit of when I was younger named Brendan Manning. And he sort of talked about, yep. he retold the sheep and the goats. Hope I'm getting this right. Retold the sheep and the goats story where at the end of it, God sort of says to everyone on his left and you too, you come to, right, you know, right. like my grace is for everyone. And, and there's something that feels really good about that, but that's not really what we're, what we're seeing in this passage. Yeah. 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 So help us, Sung. We need some. We need some help, man. Uh, <laughs> this is a tough one. It, it is. Well, and we 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 refer to this a little bit in the last episode, and this is why this is a good next topic. Um, but um, let me pull up. A, uh, here, here, here I go. Um, you know, so C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite authors, yeah. in the book The Great Divorce, and, and C.S. Lewis is one who believed in the doctrine of purgatory. So, um, and John Stott. You just blew a bunch of people's minds, by the way. All the people that love C.S. Lewis as like their preeminent theologian are like, what? No. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If, uh, and The Great Divorce is a, is a novel. Mm. But in other, in other parts of his writings, he, he talks about the idea of purgatory. But he would say that hell is the trajectory of a person living a self-centered life going on and on forever. Mm. Right, so when you think of eternal punishment, we think of like, oh, okay, is this like cosmic God, Daddy spanking the little kid? Like, no. In, in some sense, uh, here, here's what he says: Hell begins with a grumbling mood, and yourself still distinct from it, perhaps even criticizing it. You can repent and come out of it again, but there may come a day when you can do that no longer. Then there will be no you left to criticize the mood or even enjoy it, but just the grumble itself going on forever like a machine. Mm. And so his whole idea is, and, and we're just exploring this, right? Yeah. Um, it is that the, the, really when it talks about the fires of hell, you know, you imagine like, okay, this fiery pit. Re really, uh, it, it, like it, it's saying that the fire of hell is inside of you mm. and it consumes you until there is no you left. 
And so hell is just this unbridled fury of sin, just eating away at your humanity or what some people would call your true self until your soul disintegrates to the point that like, you don't even have any desire of redemption. You're almost afraid of the light. You, you know those fish that swim so deep in the darkness? Yeah. That like, or even Gollum, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Lord of the Rings. Yeah, another like, one of your favorites. Yes, yeah. they're just so they live so much in the darkness that they have no desire to even come into light. And so, when you talk about people who who are beyond redemption, this whole idea that hell is uh, is a door that's locked from the inside, right? Rather than God on the outside saying, "Ha, now I've captured you, right. you sinner. This is your punishment." There's a real sense that, um, and. and we say this even in our day-to-day living. Man, that was just pure hell. It, it might be an outward circumstance, but if you imagine somebody in your family that's uh, addicted to alcohol, and if they were given an opportunity to to leave it, uh, you know, m- uh, again, maybe at first they're grumbling at, oh man, I should stop drinking. It's, it's really taken a hold of me. And, and at some point, uh, they don't care that it's gotten a hold of them. Yeah. Like, and, and imagine that going on forever and ever and right, ever. Right, right, right. Not just 20, 30, 40 years. Like, when you think about that, that, like, so, it's interesting to think about it from that pers- from that perspective. And that is different than, I think, the way sometimes it's interpreted, which is that hell is full of people that want to be redeemed, but for some reason God said no. Right, right. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say, and when, when, when we say hell, take out the, this idea in most people's minds that it's this fiery hellhole, right? Um, but it's a place or, or it's a person who no longer wills, even if he or she could, to be in the presence of God. And so I, I think one of the better definitions of hell is eternal separation from God. Okay. Right? Like that, like it, as a follower of Jesus, that is, that is hell. Um. Uh, and and in some ways, and I know that we're just exploring this, and again, the entire topic of this season is no easy answer. So yeah. don't hear us coming down saying, hey, guess what? Sung and I know how the Bible should be interpreted. <laughs> That's not what we're saying. But in some ways, that perspective lends itself a little bit more to it being a state of being, not necessarily a physical place. Yeah. Um, I mean, how do, you, how do you talk to people that f- feel very strongly that it is or should be believed in as a physical place mm-hmm. an actual location like a lake of fire i mean they're 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 they may not be wrong but again i think what often comes with that is this association of you're going there i see right yeah because when jesus talked about hades uh there there was I think we talked about this in a previous episode. There was actually a trash heap outside of Jerusalem mm-hmm. called Sheol yeah. that they called Hades, and right. it was a place of burning trash. Yeah. And so, uh, again, like Jesus was using that as an analogy. and just right. saying, hey, you know this place. Yeah. Separation from God, your creator. Is like that. Is like this. Yeah. And so we in the modern world say, oh, like we just imagine like people burning up in, in, in a fi- like a fiery building. And they're just screaming, oh, let us out, let us out. And the fireman has to come and rescue them. And so we often picture hell as, like you said, people who want to be redeemed but are now just um, aren't able to mm-hmm. be redeemed. Yeah. They're beyond redemption. And so so your point there is that 
I mean, well, no, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put words in your mouth, but I'll say one of the things that it has me thinking about is that our obsession, um, or I will say that some people's obsession with it as a physical place, in some ways, can miss the thrust that Jesus was trying to make, which is really the key about not punishment apart from the punishment of being separated from God. Yep. It's not sort of like, because you did this, now you're going to burn forever. Right. It's a sense, which is, I feel like I've actually heard people quote that, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, but it's more about saying, um, and I've heard, a, I've heard someone describe it this way as well, that, that hell as a concept is the end result of, uh, of wanting to be separated from God. Yeah. Yeah. So that it's more of, it's more of like a continuation of that versus the, a heavenly spanking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a divine spanking. Yeah, right? So, and, and this really recasts the, this distorted image of God. So he, we do not have a God that stands on top of a, a, a lid uh, looking down into some pit called hell with people trapped inside. That's mm. not the kind of God we have. And, and the people inside begging for mercy. Hell is not some fiery dungeon that God sends people to for their sins, but almost a self-imposed prison of eternal growing selfishness, like Lewis said. Mm. Like whether that's a place or a condition, or like, the, uh, you know, who, who knows? Yeah. Right? Um, uh, um, I think another thing that... that continues to sort of cloud the issue in my mind is that if if you in some ways ah man this is uh, look no easy answers like please let yeah. me just repeat that because this is just me thinking out loud but you know if the soul is eternal mm-hmm. we put an awful lot of emphasis on what happens in our physical bodies in terms of saying like well once you die then your opportunity to choose is gone ah, i mean in some ways we don't 100 percent know that do we um do, do we know what where, where like the, no like at the so if the soul is eternal isn't it possible that like post the death of a physical body that you your soul or your consciousness still has the ability to to make a choice to choose god or not mm-hmm. like i suppose it's possible mm-hmm. yeah so that's a bit like the idea of purgatory, mm-hmm. yeah, the Catholic doctrine of it's a temporary punishment, if you will. And in the Catholic doctrine, it's like detention. Yeah, it is. Have you ever gotten <laughs> detention? You know, I got detention on the, my last day of high school. You did? Only time I got detention. The perfect middle son? Dude, I was so good. It hurt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Are you Were you in detention a lot? Yeah. Do you... Okay, so purgatory is a familiar concept. <laughs> it you. is. Okay, yeah. So I, I see. I see that. I see how those things intersect. Yeah. Um. That that is sort of like leans itself into a purgatory understanding. Okay. Yeah, that's helpful. I'm. I'm not saying I believe that. I'm just saying like that seems doesn't seem impossible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so let me play devil's advocate. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um. So if if like the condition in hell is not eternal and that you could let's say change your mind okay then neither is the blessing of heaven oh okay because what if you were there and you're still in god's presence because this happened with um with uh satan he was a, he was a 
angel and he rebelled against God. Like uh, then we're saying, oh yeah, you could, you could lose your, your status in heaven as well too. Cause if you change your mind, wow. Do you think that's a natural conclusion or do you think that's a fair conclusion to draw from the idea of purgatory? Like if you can go up, you can go down kind of a thing. Well, I don't because yeah. I, I don't think Catholics would necessarily think that, for example. Right. Um, and I'm just saying that because I know that that's a part of their sort of understanding of mm-hmm. heaven and hell. Um, but I don't think they would say that you could also go down the elevator. <laughs> <laughs> it's a one way. It's it, a one way elevator. It's always interesting because even if you ask non-religious people, I think it was it's something like 90 percent of Americans believe there is heaven. Hmm. A high, high percentage. Okay. But they say no to hell. And so it becomes uh, uh, like, oh, yeah, uh, like a universalism. Everyone yeah. gets to heaven. Yep. And, and most people believe they are going to heaven, and they'll say, because I'm a good person. I'm sure Hitler said the same thing about himself, too. He though. probably thought he was doing the right thing. <laughs> so it is, is it about your intentions? Actually, that's something else that C.S. Lewis says. He says, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Was that his quote? It it is. Oh, really? It's so common. I mean, I hear it everywhere. I didn't know that it was his. It it is. And so, like, yeah, I mean, maybe Hitler were to to say, well, uh, at least I'm not Stalin. Yeah. (laughs) Or Mao Zedong, Dung, or whatever, right? Right. Like, so where where is that standard? And so, yeah, and, and again, this is why it's for some, and let me say this, for some listeners here, you're you're hearing all this and, and going like, man, like I can't believe you're not like landing on it uh, on yeah. this, and, and you're exploring all these ideas. Others of you like are are hearing this and going like, man, like uh, you're dismissing something that I, I'm I'm really uh, I I believe. Yeah. And, and so again, there's no easy answer. There there we're we're trying to be open and, and discussing things. Well, and, and I I think it's really important for us to understand different perspectives. Like this isn't it, understanding that someone thinks differently than you. Yeah. And trying to understand that perspective does not mean that you're compromising your beliefs. Right. Right. So part of the reason that we're doing this is is by looking at several different options, it actually has the ability to both make you relate to other people. Mm-hmm. Maybe it broadens your horizons, but the one thing that it doesn't do is uh, make you compromise your beliefs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So what do, what do we do? <laughs> I, I, yes, I mean, you know, it's sort of a it's sort of such a fundamental part of the framework of Christianity. Yeah, yeah. A uh, similar question and. Again, we're, we're getting lots of questions, it's even around this topic uh, that was asked was if, and we're not going to answer this one th- during this episode, but if I were born in India, would I yeah. be a Hindu? Right. But just because I was born in America and grew up in a Christian family, oh, well, that's a, that's a good question. He, here's what I will say. Um, I mean, on one hand, you cannot... uh, In one sense, the doctrine of hell may be one of the single biggest tests of whether the Bible is, whether scripture is our authority and or or we and our culture are our authorities. Because culturally, it makes people very, very uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Now, at the same time, what you can't do is 
uh, again, as we talked about in the beginning, like had the smug, arrogant kind of like finger pointing judgmentalism. Mm -hmm. I don't know if this will answer the question, but I will say when it comes to the person of Jesus, he is on one hand, the most hard nosed exclusivist. Yeah. And he is the most radically generous inclusivist. Yeah, it's true. But I mean, both, both things exist simultaneously. And, And people want to take one or the other out. Yeah. Uh, and this is a broad generalization, the conservatives want to say, like, and I'll call them hyper-conservatives and hyper-liberals. The hyper-liberals will say, no, any kind of exclusion doesn't jive with us. Right. That's not the Jesus I know. The hyper-conservatives will say, what, any kind of inclusivity? Like, no, like, this is just for the, the, um, uh, uh, what's the Bible word where it's like, oh, the, uh, where it's just like a hardcore committed few. The, the, the remnant, the, oh, remnant. the remnant, you know, it's just for the remnant. And so when I said those two almost seemingly contradictory statements, t- tell me what you heard and, and flesh it out. Well, uh, I actually, my brain was sort of following a different okay. track. I'd which, love to hear it. Which, and I, I think it dovetails with what you're saying about Jesus, which is that in a lot of ways, Focusing on hell avoidance as sort of a primary theological either argument or lifestyle is missing the entire point. Mm. And so in some ways, I feel like Jesus would say, like, yes, this exists. But what he continually emphasized towards people was not avoid this, but walk in this direction. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so um, that I guess that's kind of what I was thinking. And I, I don't know that that I don't know that that. Oh man, this would be where we could, it's hard to do without a picture, but where we could talk centered set versus bounded oh, yeah. set, mm-hmm. you know, um, and that in many ways, Jesus was far more concerned about the direction people were moving versus whether they were inside or outside a circle. Yeah. Um, and so it's almost like hell exists that direction. That's Jesus being exclusive in some ways, saying like, look, there is another direction to go, but his emphasis was always walk this way, move in this direction, become more like me, follow me. Um, and then, and if you're doing that, it's kind of like, well, you know, do you, do you really have to worry about it, you know, for yourself? I mean, again, there's still the question for others and I get that, but you almost don't have to ask yourself, like, am I going to hell? It's like, well, that's not really the question that you should be asking. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. That raises a question for me is, um, you know, will there be only a few people in heaven while billions of people burn in hell? I mean, and I understand this is where a lot of people have issues, right? Because if Christianity is going to say Jesus is the way, Mm -hmm. what about all the people that lived before Jesus? What about all the people that lived before um, or during the time when the message of Jesus couldn't traverse the ocean and get Mm -hmm. to other continents? Are all those people automatically... Right. Hell bound. Yeah. It's a, I, that, that's part of the issue that people have. I, 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 I ask it myself. Yep. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, yeah. W- when I was saying how Jesus is this exclusivist, people who reject that really, uh, w- w- I think what I meant by that is what you have is a Jesus who, who demands nothing from you. Um, just, yeah, do whatever you want. There's no cost. There's no sacrifice. 
repentance. Like everybody gets a free pass. Yeah, you know that repentance is unnecessary. Faith is optional. Then Jesus the, of of um, you know I'll, I'll say in a kind way, univer- the Jesus of universalism may be safe, but he can also be safely ignored. Mm-hmm. Like why even like why? So you want to be spiritual? <laughs> there's right. A, there's a lot more uh, spiritual beliefs that I, I'd rather, uh, you know, associate myself with than that are, they're uh, easier. That are easier. Yeah. Um, at the same time, when I say he's he's the most radically generous inclusivist, right? The offer is like so. You take someone like uh, Jeffrey Dahmer. You remember him, serial yeah. killer. Yeah. I mean, he murdered, a, a, and it, they were particularly gruesome. And I won't go into details, but man, I it he I, um. It, he went to prison. He was beaten in prison. And the the alleged, I think it, it's more than just allegedly, but I, I think this is true. He actually surrendered his life to Christ in prison. Wow. Like, you take the, like, probably, like. I mean, evil incarnate, yes. if ever there was. Yeah. It, now, you flip that si- other side. Well, is Gandhi in hell? Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, and here's my answer. I don't know. I am not the judge of the universe. I know Gandhi respected Jesus as perhaps the greatest moral teacher in the history of the world, but I don't know if in his dying breath, he, yeah, he, he changed his mind on who Jesus's identity is. Mm. I, and I think this goes to, it, that might be the wrong question to ask. Yeah. And this is, th- this is what I'll close with. Uh, one of my favorite hymns, Amazing Grace, uh, the writer John Newton, he, he has this, he had uh, this quote, uh, saying, you know, um, three things I'll be surprised when I get to heaven. One is finding people I did not expect. Mm -hmm. Oh, Jeffrey, you made it here. You made it. Amazing. Uh, secondly, not finding people I did expect. Mm-hmm. Man, I saw them at church like every week. Yeah. You, you mean they, they weren't redeemed? And then finally, and I think this is the crux of it, finding myself there. Yeah. Like with billions of saints from all around the world, all throughout history. I think it's a, it's, it can be an entertaining question to ask, is Gandhi in hell? And I get that that is a real intellectual question. Mm-hmm. I'm not minimizing that. But, like, what, what, even for the person asking that, there, there's a question behind that question. Mm. And you, it, and if the question behind that question is misguided, no answer will ever, yeah. ever, yeah. even if you made out God to be this universalist, right. that still wouldn't satisfy, I think, more than the intellectual curiosity. I would say it's like a soul question. Like they're, it's deep down in their own soul. Does that, um, that being said, uh, because this seems to lean like one way in terms of giving an answer. Uh, Let let me go the other way and just say, you know, if you have a friend or if you're a person that is asking that question and it is rubbing you and you are struggling with it, like you have to honor the process of doubt Mm -hmm. and questions. If, if you just say, oh, just listen to this podcast and, and, and here's the answer. Right, or read this Bible verse. Yeah. It's, it's right there. It, that, <laughs> that does not honor the person, yeah. which also means you are not seeing that person as a human being. You're yeah. actually seeing them as a problem or as an obstacle, and that's the problem. Yeah, yeah. 
And, and that's where Christians fall is we often see people not as people. Yeah. I mean, I can't tell you how many times a question um, is really just someone asking to be seen and asking to be heard. A question like that, yeah. let's say. It's yeah. really just saying, like, will you sort of, am I more than just uh, inside or outside your line? Right. And, and do you see me as a whole person? Yeah. Um, and, and I think, I think you've, you've communicated that really well. And in some circles, if I'm outside, are you still going to be friends with me? Yeah. And I... <laughs> I in college, I had a um, friend, a non-Christian friend, who asked me that. He said, Sung, if I never become a Christian, would we still be friends? Man, you know? And, and, and we, 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 we were. I mean, but I haven't it, talked to him for a long time. But, but, but it also hurts to know that part of the reason he's asking that question yeah. is because he thinks he knows the answer. Right, which is that, right. like, no, once you, become, once you become a Christian, you're going to reject me. Right. And that's because he's like, Sung, I've had other Christians. Yeah who have come to me and I've said no and they've just walked away. Right. And man, like that 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 is a that is an indictment on Christians. Yeah. And and Gandhi said that too, right? He's like I I, I love respect your Jesus. I, I just don't like his followers. Yeah. And so this may this may be like more than an intellectual um, discussion as much as just existential yeah. relational um, question that is really being asked. I, I know the person who, who texted me this question, it, it is personal. It is relational. It is social. Yeah. I mean, it is intellectual. It is theological. But let's not mistake it for being just theological. Yeah. It's a good word, Sung. I think we've touched on a lot of things. This may be our least conclusive <laughs> podcast <laughs> episode ever, but that's kind of where this one sits, yeah. you know, um, in a lot of different ways. So we have a lot of ground still to cover in upcoming episodes, including uh, one of the things that you mentioned, which is sort of the exclusivity yeah. claims of Christ. So I'm excited to get to that. And I think that um, I mentioned it, but uh, uh, centered set versus bounded set will fit really well there. Yep. So I'm really excited to uh, have you join us next week. Thanks so much for being a part of our well, podcast. Send me any hate mail That's at right. 734-709-5742. <laughs> I can't believe you said that. It's inevitable. 